says chapter 2 that as we explained, tshuva means not fasting, but abandoning the sin for all time. Regards to all transgressions, even those punished by excision or execution, the idea is that you leave it. Over there, the suffering is not intended to be self-inflicted, but is brought from above. However, all this we've been talking about refers to if you are only aiming for atonement, because then you're pardoned completely once you repented. No charge nor semblance of an accusation is mentioned against them on the Day of Judgment once a person does tshuva. Nonetheless, if a person doesn't only want to repent, but they want to be acceptable for Hashem and the beloved as before the sin, so that Hashem can get nachas from them, derive the light. So in times of the temple, what would they do? They would bring a sacrifice. It was called an olah, an olah sacrifice, in addition to repentance. That was like a, a gift after one repented. It's like the case of a man who displeases a king, appeasing him through gifts. Even after he got somebody to, to plea on his behalf for forgiveness, he's doing the extra thing. But in today's day and age, when we have no sacrifices, fasting replaces the offering. As the Talmud says, that when a person loses fat and blood, in other words, they're not eating, through fasting... That's regarded as bringing a sacrifice to you. A caveat, in the next chapter, the Tanya says that this is not practical in today's day and age, but it's important to bring it now in case somebody just listens to today's shir and starts going and fasting. This is why we find many Talmudic sages who, for some trivial fault, underwent many fasts. For example, Rabbi Loza ben Azariah contended that a cow may go out wearing its strap between its horns on Shabbat while his colleagues prohibited it. Once, a neighbor's cow went out with a strap which is according to his opinion, but it's not according to the majority opinion. And Rabbi Lazar did not protest. Because he did not support his colleague's view, he fasted so long that his teeth were blackened. And so too Rabbi Yeshua once remarked, I am ashamed of your words, Beit Shammai. And by saying that, he was so embarrassed by the words he said that I'm ashamed that he, his teeth turned black through fasting. Rab Huna, one time his tefillin strap turned over and he fasted 40 days and many other examples. These fasts were not endured for the sake of repentance or a self-inflicted suffering. The sole purpose was to restore the bonds of love between the former sinner and his maker. And on this basis, the Arizal taught his disciples the number of fasts for many transgressions. For example, on anger, just on blowing your fuse, 151 fasts. Drinking the wine of non-Jews, Yayin Nesach, 73 fasts. Neglecting a positive mitzvah such as prayer, 61 fasts, etc., etc., etc. So, the chapter 2 was almost like a parenthesis. He's coming and saying, where, do fasting be- where does fasting belong within Judaism? If you're saying it's not part of tshuva, why do we see so much? And he says, that's never part of tshuva, that's just the extra to um, bring things back to the way they were. But as we'll say in the following chapters, that can be done in today's day and age through tzedakah, charity, and other ways.